Hi, this is Megan, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Woo as Fuck. This week, we are joined by the absolutely wonderful Jasela. It's just her and I while Lissa is on her retreat with her significant other. And uh, it was so much fun to record and so much fun to edit. And I really think that you guys are going to enjoy it. As editing Megan the whole time, I was like, this is amazing. Everyone needs to listen to it. So I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I do. We talk about being comfortable in your body, challenging yourself to try new things. We talk about human design, which is what she specializes in. And you should absolutely get a reading from her if you feel called to, because it's amazing. And I hope that you feel as comfortable and as safe as I do with her, because she's just a beautiful soul. And it's like hanging out with your best friend. And I hope that's what the feeling that you get when you're listening to this. Um, At one point, she says that nothing is... Er, Nothing is temporary when she meant nothing is permanent. And uh, we had a joke about putting a robot voice there to cover it, which I did. But I had a lot of takes of me pretending to be a robot saying permanent. So at the very end of this episode, you're going to hear something ridiculous that I made with all of those takes. It's a song. It's a bop. It's also ridiculous. I hope that you <laughs> um, laugh at it and enjoy it. So um, with all of that said, I hope that you're all doing well and let's get on with the episode. Hi, it's Megan, and today we are joined with the wonderful Jasela. Hi. So this week, Lissa is currently out of town. She's on a retreat with her partner and having a wonderful time and sending me all of the pictures to make me very jealous of the beautiful experience that she's having. But that means that we get to um, talk to someone very wonderful, uh, basically a new best friend that I met uh, to do design work with. And she's wonderful and awesome and does a lot of great things. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I would love to. Thank you, Megan. Um, again, my name is Jasela. I'm from Northern California, born and raised, still here. Uh, I'm an intuitive. I'm a human design reader, Dowhands practitioner, food lover, dog mom, doer of all the things that I'm capable of doing. <laughs> I love the doer of all the things because I also identify as a doer of all of the things. It's a, it's a necessity. I like have to tell the world that sometimes like yeah. just throw it at me. Like I can do it. I can handle it. Let's, let's go. Yeah. I'm the same way. If you have something that you need or want or just want to learn about. And I think that plays a lot into my human design profile, which you helped me with. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love to go down rabbit holes and learn new things and absorb all of the information, which is to my benefit and sometimes to my detriment. <laughs> yes, same. Uh, I have one three profile here and that third line means that I'm trial and error, which means I, I love to do a lot of things, but I'm going to fuck them up too. But that's how I learn and I'm really thankful for it. And the first line is like foundation and needing to know all the information. So yeah, if someone needs something done, I'm just like, fuck it. Like I just, I'll learn how to do it. Just give it to me. 
Yes. And that's always so great to have a fuck it person in your life. And I love being the fuck it person for people. Me too. It's like a, it's a great honor to be it's the a superpower. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. So today we have talked a little bit about what we wanted to discuss and we pulled cards and we had a few different ideas, but essentially it was about really leveraging who you are as a person and what you think might be weaknesses or things that set you back. But really, you can use those to really propel yourself forward, both outside of human design and by like knowing your human design, which is really, um, if you've not heard of it, it's a really unique way to look at who you are as a person, which I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this, you know what human design is. But just in case you don't, <laughs> it's kind of like your astrology, but much more in depth. And you'll learn a lot more about yourself that way. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about being comfortable with who you are in your body. Oh, man. Just really get into the meat of it immediately. Let's just, yeah, let's send it. Let's go for it. Um, it is still a crazy thing to be doing because I'm in my 30s and it really took me I only got into like, I felt like I was in my body in the last six years. I mean, tra like slight trauma dump being in like 11 years of some sort of abusive relationship. The last place you want to be is in your body. And I have been really blessed to not have been in that place for the last six years. So uh, it's an experiment every day, like figuring it out, what it feels like in here, what it feels like to maneuver this body and, you know, try to navigate all the emotions and like think for me, thank God I found human design. Cause that is part of what's made me able, be able to live in. I call it my capable meat bag to be living in this capable <laughs> meat bag and feel comfortable in it and what she can do. Yeah. It's really interesting how your relationship to your body changes over time because I spent a, a really long, like most of my life hating my body. I I hated that I was stuck in it. I hated everything about it. I hated that I was fat. Um, and even though I didn't mind it in other people, like I thought everyone was beautiful and unique and wonderful. But for some reason, well, I know why, because of um, years of societal conditioning and having a mom that would tell you how fat you were, even when Same. you weren't. <laughs> And she she was doing it from a place of love. I, I know that and I want to acknowledge that because my mom... I mean, she'll never listen to this, but if you're listening to this, mom, I know that you were doing it because you were trying to stop me from making the same mistakes that you made and you wanted me to love my body and be comfortable and happy, but hearing all of the time how you need to diet and lose weight and trying to diet and lose weight your entire life, it just made me fat. It just made me fatter. And now I'm really getting to know my body in a whole new way and love it in a whole new way and change my relationship with how I view myself. And it, it makes a huge difference really. Totally. Because I, I just, um, like I don't mind it as much anymore. I still haven't fully faced the fact that my arms are beautiful. Um, but I'm working on everything else. <laughs> that, that one, that one came pretty late for me as well. I'm yeah. sorry. I finally that's the part that I don't notice as much and um I will second some of your sentiments that uh hello family I love you and I know you are listening but I'm gonna be real on this podcast uh, my mother struggled with eating disorder type behavior 
She had a mother that told her that she was fat. Uh, I'm sure my great grandmother did the same to my grandmother. Um, so yeah, I was told a lot from a place of love, although misplaced at times that I'd be so pretty if I'd be so beautiful, but, and there was always these caveats attached to what beauty was going to be in my life. And I also, another family member that I love you, I will not call her out by name, but at, it, at probably I was probably 10 or 11 years old, she, I was gifted like an Oprah weight loss book and journal at my 10th or 11th birthday. And that just immediately told me like, oh, this is what, this is what people see when they look at me, even though I'm a child, but that's like the first thing that people saw of me and being fat felt like a punishment from God for the longest time. And I finally can look at my body. Some days are harder than others, but I can truly say I love it now. I love her now. And I make sure to make that effort. But it was difficult. It's still difficult because programming is deep and it's real. And a lot of times it comes from the people closest to us with the best intentions. Yes, it absolutely is. And it doesn't help that the world is really based around like everything that you're being marketed, like every way that everything is being marketed to you is basically you're less than perfect. This is how you become perfect. This one item, this one thing, you'll look like this person if you use this thing. And it's just been shoved down our throat since we were really small that we're less than perfect, but we could be perfect if we bought their product. And then with social media, everyone just wants to put their best foot forward Obviously, you want to put yourself in the best light and you want to share those good moments, but it gets to the point sometimes where it's it's almost toxic feeling. And I've been really mindful about the fact that I want to put things out into the world that are real and candid and raw. And I, I have not really used social media for myself most of my life. I just recently started posting to TikTok, um, which is like the only place that I feel comfortable <laughs> posting really. Um, but I, I, throughout all of it, I'm really mindful of the fact that I'm not putting my best foot forward. I'm putting my foot forward, however it is. And that's really important to me because I don't want anyone to compare themselves to whatever idealized version of myself that I put forward. That's just not a thing that I want. And I think that it's really important that we're all kind of trying to be more authentically ourselves and sometimes let that, you know, double chin or fat roll show. It's okay. Right. It's like learning to own those things. Like it's, it's my double chin and it's my fat roll and I love it anyway. And realizing how these things can serve us because I feel, I don't know that we're taught that these things that we perceive as limitations are their actual limitations are stopping us from doing things, you know, certain things or being the people that we want to be. But if we learn to look at these, you know, societally perceived limitations and find the gift of those, you can find so much more possibility in who you are instead of seeing all of these things that you aren't and see, okay, I'm not this thing, but I'm that thing. And I, I kind of, I'm feeling really called to anyone who's listening to this. You have that article of clothing, you know, the article of clothing in your heart of hearts, the one that you've always wanted to wear, but that was what you were going to wear or that style you were going to wear when you were at whatever idealized version of yourself. You're the idealized version of yourself right now. Put it on. I don't care if you're going anywhere or you're just like watching TV and hanging out. Dress up for yourself just like one time 
and feel the way that it feels to sit with it in that moment that you are that person. You're not waiting for a future thing. You're not waiting for this moment to arrive where you're magically this person. Just step into what it feels like to be that person right now. And I know that doesn't feel great. Like the idea of it is scary, but nobody has to see you in it except for you. Just hang out. Yeah, just be in it and be with it. And I think that's so much of learning to live authentically is learning how to be with yourself, not sitting around and thinking about what you could be or who you could look like or what you could be doing and really just be okay with being with you and befriending yourself. That I think has been a huge step in my journey is I'm really stoked hanging out alone. Like I have friends, I have wonderful family. I have an amazing partner, but I've been home alone all day and I have loved every moment of it. And learning to just love yourself enough to just be with you is so empowering. I know for a lot of people being alone is a real challenge because they, and they're constantly just adding in new people or conversations or drama or whatever to distract from actually having to sit and be with themselves and their thoughts. But if you take the time to really get to know yourself and what makes you happy and pick up on those things that make you uniquely you, you're, you're probably a really cool person and you should enjoy your company. I know I personally, and this is one thing I've actually never struggled with, which is kind of unique, I guess, because most people do struggle with it, is I've always kind of thought I was awesome. I've always had a, a weird complex about it. I worried about other people perceiving me um, a lot and um, judging me, but I've never been afraid to be authentically myself um, in a lot of ways. I do have, I've struggled with like my business persona and my personas like outside of myself that aren't really me, but I had to put that mask on for them. But when it came to like my core self, I have awesome taste in music. I'm a good person. I'm going to help you. And sometimes I'll help you too much. And I'm working on those boundaries. <laughs> um, but if you can really sit with yourself and enjoy your company and laugh at your own jokes, um, and even if nobody else laughs at them, I will 100% laugh at my own jokes because I'm hilarious. I know my sense of humor better than anyone else. Um, <laughs> so just try to sit with yourself and see how it feels. And it might not be comfortable at first, but with practice, it does get a lot easier. Kind of like date yourself, get to know yourself again, what you even like. I've had several periods of time, especially recently where we've been home stuck here for so long. Um, what do you, I like, what hobbies do I have outside of work? What, what are things that I enjoy? And that's, things that I've had to like learn about myself again totally. and just revisit. I think, I think that sometimes I, I know this speaks directly to a lot of people's designs is that they they'll have an interest or, you know, a hobby they'd like to start or a skill they'd like to learn. And they're all these thoughts will come in. Like I'm a piece of shit and I don't deserve to learn that, or I don't deserve to be happy or to like the things I like or the do the things I want to do. But I feel like there's, that's where a lot of things start is knowing what you like and being okay with what you like and just going for it. Like we, this 
this life is a crazy, crazy journey. And if we spend all of it overthinking and not acting, like we're going to look back and be like, you're never going to look back and be like, man, I really should have sat around by myself and just thought more. <laughs> like, there's so many other things and there's so much for us to do and explore. And I think it's really important to just embrace that. And I think I always think of like freaks and geeks, like I feel like when people back in the day, like, oh, you're so unique. It was like a nice way of saying you were like really fucking weird. And what we all have to realize is like, we're all weird. That's what I really learned about my human design is like, everyone is completely unique. There's, you're never going to look at two charts and see the exact same person with the same gates and the same channels and the same definitions. And each of those people are weird in their own way. And I think if we really start embracing that as a culture, I think it would just create a vibration where we could all feel a lot more happy and free. I completely agree. And when you have those moments of really letting yourself through, you're inspiring other people to also embrace that about themselves. Because if you can hang out with someone and just legitimately let yourself like let your freak flag fly and really be yourself, and then they are also more comfortable to do the things that they want, you might have a lot more in common that you than you ever knew, um, especially if everyone gets to like actually authentically be themselves or a small thing that you're doing. Maybe, you know, you are hanging out with some friends or talking to some friends about how you recently have been like dating yourself and learning more about yourself and like truly experiencing these new things and how happy you are getting to live your life. And that might provide them the opportunity to look at their own life and say, Hey, I've always wanted to write that book. Maybe it's time to write the book. And yes, it's time to write the book, whoever it is, like, just go write the book. It doesn't matter. It's good. <laughs> I totally agree. We don't, we don't really know who's looking at us. I feel like, you know, we're taught a lot in the society, you know, especially if you're around kids, like, you know, be an example for these kids. But really, I feel like it's important to be an example for everyone. If you can be, if you feel comfortable living at your, you know, at a higher vibration or as your highest self or what you perceive to be your best self, like, you're doing so many people around you a favor. Um, recently, I did a share with this Instagram account called Human Design Commons. And the topic was reparenting the defined ego, which I have that. So in my design, that means that I have consistent access to willpower and confidence and self-worth. And I would not have ever called myself that kind of person. And digging into my design and really learning to it's funny, usually that little voice that tells you like you're a piece of shit. Mine was the opposite. That little voice would tell me like, you're amazing and worth it. And like every, and you know, you were loved and cared for. And then the really loud voice was like, nope, that's not true. That's not true at all. And I just been dulling the truth in myself. And I, as I've started living more authentically, I've had a lot of people approach me about how, like, how do you do that? You know, what is, what does that feel like? Is it possible? And it really, like we said a little bit ago, it really comes down to just being okay with what you like and, and who, what you are like, and just going for it because there might be someone, it could be a coworker who just sees you being yourself and it could be so empowering for them. And they may never be able to tell you that, but we can make a huge difference just by being authentic. And I feel, especially lately, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot uh, especially in the social media world. Cause I feel like just as much as people, you know, want to post their best moments, I feel like, especially I do so much research with Instagram with having a business and how to grow yourself through your business on Instagram and just seeing that some people 
they're attempting to be authentic, but you can also tell that that's not authentic too. So it's, it's like this fine line. And I think it really like authenticity starts by turning inward, not turning outward. Yes. A lot of it is about really observing yourself. And in addition to being an example for everyone around you and your children and your friends and your coworkers and the people you meet on the street, try to be an example for yourself. When you were a kid, like think about your inner child. When you were, when you were a kid, who would you have wanted to help guide them and be that for yourself? And it's basically reparenting yourself and it's relearning everything and it's gross and it's hard. But if you just really sit with that feeling, I think that you would learn a lot about yourself, about who you needed and like how you wanted them to be or how much it would have lit up your life if you saw someone your age at that time um, with purple hair and fun clothes and that always had a cookie in their pocket. I don't know <laughs> your life. Maybe you really liked cookies. I totally agree. It's it's showing up for yourself. And for anyone who needs to hear this or hasn't done this type of work, I highly encourage everybody to do work with their inner child. You would be amazed the things that they have to tell you. And it can be such an amazing healing experience because yeah, it's, I've had so many experiences now where I talk to mine and she just, she didn't even know I existed because I never spoke to her. So she, this little like spirit of this little girl was just kind of like floating around the universe. And now she knows I'm there and I feel a lot more settled within myself now. So yeah, high, 10 out of 10, highly recommend in her child work. And I'm kind of feeling, um, I, this is kind of weird because you're not Lissa, but sometimes like when we're going through the podcast, we'll, um, we can kind of like feel the feedback of people listening to it. And it, it's a weird time isn't real type of situation, but I'm kind of feeling someone listening to this feeling kind of like they can't do inner child work because they feel like it's like a barrier. Like there's some big ritual that they have to do and it's this magical thing. And it's not that just think about yourself as a kid and what they needed. And you can start really small by just kind of looking at there was this toy. I always wanted a kid and I, ne I never could have it. Well, you're an adult now. You have adult money. It might be dumb, but don't judge it. Just, you know, paint with your fingers or go outside and do a cartwheel or listen to a song that you loved as a kid, but you could never really listen to the way you wanted to or read. Just go read young adult books or whatever it is that really brings you in tune with it and start with those small things. It doesn't have to be a big meditation. There isn't this big um, ceremony that you go through. Don't gatekeep yourself from happiness because all your inner child really is, is who you were before society and all of that programming and all of that gunk got piled onto you and you had to be an adult with responsibilities that had to live life in a certain way. And just embrace like who you really are. And there's going to be a lot of wounding. Um, <laughs> most likely, I don't know. I've never heard of anybody who did inner child work and didn't cry. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful experience. And you can start with small things by just kind of playing, like having that playful curiosity with life. I totally agree. You took the words right out of my mouth. Play. If you're someone who, yeah, feels that it might be some sort of blockage or, yeah, it doesn't have to be this big thing. You don't have to like light the candles and go into deep meditation and count down from five and walk through a door to your happy place. You can just start with play, which for me, 
it's been, it's been a game changer for me. Like for example, my partner loves disc golf. We've been together almost four and a half years. I would never play. I refused. And it was, it was the, the inner child inside. You're going to look stupid. You're going to be terrible at this. You're going to be bad. And people are going to all going to laugh at you. That's all I heard. And now I play disc golf almost every week. And just having this like consistent element of play has made me feel so much better. You saying that brought up so much childhood trauma, like in an instant, (laughs) all of the things throughout my life that I didn't do because I thought I would look stupid. Yep. Things that I would genuinely enjoy. Like I thought that I hated running because I would look dumb running. Why? Because I might like have some flop, flop, flop for my fat. Who cares? Right. (laughs) Um, So I feel like we all have that. I don't know why that triggered me so hard. I'm really glad that you're doing that with your partner. It's, what are some other examples of play? Um, it's still like Frisbee related, but the functional pattern studio we go to, there's this like lawn game called Can Jam. And it's basically like trying to throw a Frisbee into a slot. There's a lot of more rules. That's the basic part of it. But when we first started going there, they would play and I refused to play. I was too scared. And so finally we got like a Can Jam thing. We started doing Can Jam. I let him teach me to play poker because, again, I thought I'd be stupid. I I also had this ridiculous idea of like, oh, I'm a girl. I can't play poker. That's a boy's game. Or yesterday we went to this ranch dinner at a local ranch and they had like giant size Jenga. And I probably would have never played because that means when it all fell down and one of us lost that they'd all look at me. And now I just don't give a shit anymore because it's so it's so much fun. It's like I don't know. It's like I don't feel like as adults we we decided to stop playing. It just happened. It's like, I didn't, I didn't decide to stop building forts. I wasn't like, that's it. Like my fort building days are over. I I just became an adult and all that play stopped because I think we don't associate the idea of play with being an adult, but really they don't really have much to do with one another. And play is crucial. And I feel like for any age. Yeah. You actually just reminded me. So my partner and I are coming up on our 13th anniversary. Oh, wow. This pat like this upcoming weekend. By the time this podcast is out, it's already done. But um, happy anniversary <laughs> <laughs> for the last. Well, not the last year, but for several years before last year, we would actually build like a fort and we would hang out in it for a whole weekend and play video games and watch movies and sleep in it. And it was in the living room and it was huge and it was called Fort Cuddlesworth. Um, That is so cute. But we stopped doing it last year and we actually talked about doing it this year, but we decided not to do it because it was so much work (laughs) and the cats were going to like pull it down. And was it really even worth it? And now I'm like, you said the fort thing and I'm I'm reevaluating that decision because I was choosing not to do that because I had to pull out all the sheets and the blankets and set it all up and do a whole like build a frame for it. And then it's only for a weekend. And why do all that work? And now it's it's because it's for play. Of course, it's for Mm -hmm. fun. It's to reconnect and really be present with one another. And that fort, especially since we've been home together for so long, provides like a new environment for us. Absolutely. It's like a, it gives you a slight departure from the everyday. If it just means you're crawling under some blankets that are propped up with chairs, it gives you a a different perspective. And I think that's really beneficial to us is giving ourselves these opportunities for a change in perspective, no matter how slight, because you can see some really amazing things if you just change positions a little bit. 
Yes, absolutely. And get out of your own way. So don't do the like, don't stop yourself from having an experience just because you're thinking about how someone else will see you. Because I almost guarantee you that if I walked in on someone looking ridiculous and having the time of their life, I'm not going to think, oh, they look a little funny. I'm going to think, wow, look at them having so much fun. Absolutely. It's like, it's funny because I feel like it's just this this initial thought of, oh, someone's going to see me and they're going to think I look stupid. But we never think past that of like, what's the thought to that person going to be afterwards? Like, they're not going to see you having fun and be like, that is a terrible person right there. I'm like, who gives a shit if someone like looks at me being silly or whatever? Because honestly, if they have some sort of negative judgment related to that, that's something that they need to look at. And that's not my responsibility. And I think that's another thing is we really need to stop taking responsibility for the way, you know, the way other people perceive us. Yes, absolutely. Um, And honestly, if their first initial reaction was some, some something negative and judgmental, I don't think that's the person I want in my life anyway. No, I absolutely do not want to hang out with them. Look at us being judgmental of judgmental people. <laughs> we love you, judgmental people. Just please don't be so judgmental. Yeah, look at your own life. Why are you being so judgmental? Ah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Like, <laughs> I think, I don't know when, when being unique got such a bad rap. And I know, like, we, you know, we touched on the fact that so much is the societal conditioning of, you know, buy this product and you'll be this person. But... I mean, this life is not a one size fits all situation. We know that one size fits all is bullshit in clothes and it's bullshit in life as well. Yes, one size does not fit all. One size fits you and you can determine what that looks like for yourself. But remember that you're always changing and evolving and growing. So who you are today is not who you are tomorrow. And that's why you always really want to touch base with yourself and look inward because Something might make you happy today and tomorrow makes you feel terrible and that's okay. Just kind of acknowledge it for yourself. And that really applies to just general life advice and your practice and when it comes to anything spiritual or magical or if you're in therapy or whatever, think about how you're holding yourself back from being who you are. Are you not listening to your intuition? Are you not letting yourself be comfortable in your body because your body is amazing. It is doing amazing things. It is keeping you alive. That meat suit, it needs water. Drink some water. Um, <laughs> yes. Give her the water. Give, give her the food. They, yeah. you know, I, I also think that there's at some point, I, maybe it's always as far as I can remember been like this, that people have a strong association as to what they think is who they are. But that's just an aspect of who you are. There's, I, I feel like so much, we spend so much time ignoring the body for the sake, we think it's for the sake of other things. Like, I'm not going to, you know, take that, that work break because I need to get this thing done. But really, by the end of the day, you've run yourself ragged, you haven't had water and you haven't had food, but you did the thing that actually isn't even going to benefit you. Yeah. How, how often is that actually any thing that's important? I'm guilty of this pretty badly because um, I get hyper fixated on something and just want to get it all done. And I won't stand or drink water or eat 
And before I know it, it's 8 p.m. I've been working since 7 a.m. I haven't stood. My legs are numb. I feel terrible. And for what? All I had to do was stand up and stretch or have a dance break or drink some freaking water. But no, work was so important that it couldn't wait five minutes. No. Um, so stop that. Cut it out. Yeah. It's like, how how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> how dare you take a moment for yourself? And I mean, another huge plug for human design. It It made me realize how much I need to be in my body and listen to my body. And as someone, as a fat person, as someone who has polycystic ovarian syndrome, as as someone who has all these things that are quote unquote wrong with their body, according to whoever the fuck, I spent, I feel like a lifetime ignoring my body and what she needed and what she wanted. And it wasn't until I started really paying attention to the way things felt in, in my body and thinking less about the thoughts running through my head that I saw a ton of positive change in my life, in my ability to manifest, in my relationships, in sleeping better, in everything. Just sometimes it's like shifting that focus from the mind to the body is so difficult, but it's it's so beneficial. It really is. It's so beneficial to really pay attention. And a lot of your emotions manifest in your body. And so if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling sad or happy or whatever... If you just take a moment to really sit with your body and kind of do a little scan and ask yourself, like, where is this happiness? Where is this joy? Where where am I feeling this sadness? And you can move and release feelings into the world Uh um, and you don't have to hold on to them. Like that stress for a lot of people will manifest in their upper or lower back or their neck. Um, And if you just take a few minutes to roll your shoulders or unclench your jaw or really sit with that feeling, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. Absolutely. For me, and I feel like everybody grounding is so huge. And, you know, I remember being younger and being like, ew, people walking around barefoot. And now like, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I'm not going to walk through like downtown where I live with no shoes on, but I take my shoes off at every opportunity. And now like I'll do those scans because the way it shows up for me and my body is I see these like clouds of gray or black And that's how I like identify where these blockages are, where these feelings are. And sometimes I just, it's so funny because before we started recording, I actually pulled from my angel deck, the fresh air card, (laughs) because I have these huge redwoods in front of my house. And sometimes I'll just go, I'll go hug a tree, like straight up. I will stand barefoot on my giant redwood and hug a tree and kind of let the earth take that anxiety and stress away. But, you know, cut to 10 years ago and I had that feeling I would have popped a pill for it. And I, I because I, even at that point, I wasn't really listening to the body. It's like I would hear it and then I would try to numb it out with a pill and I never solved the problem. Yes. Numbing it out is a big one. And sometimes you do need to numb yourself out to get through something. Um, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't have to, but you're a human being. And I understand because exactly. Like sometimes you're going to have those weeks that are really rough and you have a lot on your plate and there's 400 things you have to do and none of it you want to do, but you're an adult with responsibilities and you have to do them. We've all been there and maybe you need to numb yourself out to get through that week. But if you're mindful of the fact that I have from Sunday at 6 p.m. until Tuesday at 3 p.m. to feel nothing, but then you like remind yourself to like touch base with yourself after that and you set those perimeters and you get to know yourself 
you can have a healthy balance. And over time, you might not need to numb yourself out as much. But also sometimes the world fucking sucks. And it's okay. Um, I agree. <laughs> uh, we, we've all gone through it. And no one's ever going to be perfect. And no one's high vibe or the best version of themselves 24 hours a day if they said they are they're lying they're fucking lying no one is like that it's unsustainable and you have to really listen to yourself and your body and the more you know about yourself and the more you learn your patterns um like I know I personally can fall into like really depressive episodes where I just want to exist and before I would let myself fall into it and it would last for a really long time until I had to like pull myself off of rock bottom basically. And that gets hard. But now I know if I allow myself to have one sad day today, it doesn't matter what you do. You're sad. You're going to lay there. You're going to exist. But then the next day you have to get up and you have to do the things. Those episodes for me, because I know my own patterns are reduced significantly because the next day I'm not going to feel perfect, obviously, but by being mindful of the fact that I gave myself the time to rest and my body to rest and to really integrate and process whatever feelings I was feeling or not feeling if I'm numbing myself out. Um, <laughs> but by being mindful of that and then deciding like, okay, I'm moving forward the next day. And moving forward might just look like you're sitting in a different position, but you moved (laughs) and you're making progress. Yeah. And I did want to say absolutely no shade to anyone who needs antidepressants, anxiety medication, anything, no shade to you whatsoever. I applaud you for taking care of you. Yeah. For me, it it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And I agree. Some days you need to numb it out. Some days life fucking sucks to a degree that I can't even comprehend. And I, in retrospect, I've probably had depression since I was six years old. I wasn't diagnosed till I was 17. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder. And I spent so much time just not living my life because I was like crippled with fear. And as I got older, like you, I learned to set those boundaries and parameters. Like, you know what? You have these three days off and yeah, you're going to like mope the shit out of those three days and you're going to eat the trash and you're going to watch the garbage TV and you're going to cry. And, but after that, like it's time to put on your big girl panties and like, keep it going. Because at the end of the day, when we, when we let our, when we allow those episodes to go too long, we're only hurting ourselves. Yes, there's nothing wrong with allowing yourself to have space, but you have to at some point put it to an end or you're just going to be on autopilot. Autopilot is a big thing, especially right now Um, when you're just getting through stuff. It's kind of what I call that default state where you're not really present with yourself. You're not thinking about anything. You're just existing. And when you go from just being sad to going on to autopilot, you kind of lose awareness of what's happening with yourself, with your body, what's around you. And it's hard to snap out of the longer that you're in autopilot. Totally. And I feel like when we go into autopilot, there's this huge segregation between the body and the mind. They're running um, two completely different motors at that point. You know, and then it's like when you're driving home and you, you're just spacing out and you, you realize you get home and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? It's like that feeling of autopilot where your body's kind of doing things without you noticing it. And 
as a result, I feel like when that happens, we can encounter a lot of different things that are really deeply affecting us, but we just don't notice. And then we might have these feelings that we can't address or figure out because they happened during a state of being completely unaware. Yeah. I mean, just out of nowhere, you're just like, where did three months go? (laughs) And why did I like develop all of these bruises? Because I walk into stuff all the time. And where did this back pain come from? And why is one leg weirdly shaped where you've been sitting on it for so long? (laughs) Um, And then you're suddenly aware of your meat suit. And um, it's not a good feeling. No, it's like a shock. It's like, what, yeah. what, what? It's like, what happened to you? And it's like, oh, I happened to you. Oh, the worst, like, en- enemy of all sometimes. Oh, that's so true. Time. So, so true. That's, that's why I always go back to trying to be, to be my friend. Like, you know, I'm someone that, I, I mean, I feel really blessed, obviously, in my work that I can hold space where people really trust me and I can kind of help them get to know themselves but, you know, I have days where, like, I I sometimes feel like, you know, I don't know who I am or what I'm doing. And that's when I really have to approach myself like a friend. Like, I will literally sit there and think, you know, I, like I said, I have a defined uh, heart ego center. But there's days where I fully believe I'm a piece of shit. And so I just need to go inside and be like, hey, inner friend, what would you actually say to me? And it's like, it. I think it's important to kind of, like, hone those parts of ourselves. I've written myself letters as like a friend to myself. There's like different exercises I've done because some days we're all we have, not because people don't love us, but maybe, you know, the partners in a meeting are unreachable or, you know, the best friends away. And sometimes like we have to learn to be our own friend. And that is really challenging, but also it can be so beautiful. And there are so many different ways that you can do it. Think about the friend that you always wanted to have and be that for yourself. And sometimes your friend is really nice and kind and hypes you up. And sometimes your friend has to come over and say, um, have you done the dishes in three weeks? What what's going on here? <laughs> totally. And tough love. Yeah. Like get off your ass. It's time to get some shit done. And yeah. Yeah. It's I love that. Be the friend that you especially be the friend you would be to others. Like I'm that person where people know not to come to me unless they want the truth because I don't have anything else for them. So if we can learn to approach ourselves that same way, it could be a huge gift. Although I know it's incredibly difficult. I I feel like I say these things with such ease now, but people need to know that these things were not easy for me and I still struggle with them all the time. But just even getting to that place where you're aware of them, that's like a huge first step. But it's going to be a trial and error for me forever because that's how I'm built. Yeah, you're always learning. You're always growing and everything is always going to be a trial and error. And I think what's really important is if you stumble and you fall and you stop doing whatever it is that you've set yourself to do um, say you're going to meditate every day or touch base with yourself every day or make sure that once a week you do something with your inner child or whatever parameters that you set for yourself if you miss something don't beat yourself up over it and think that you have to start all over again you're not starting all over again you're just continuing and I know that sounds really simple and easy but think about all of those times in your life where you were going to do, um, you know, every day you were going to journal or every day you were going to monitor what you eat, which mm, that's a whole other thing. 
um, or every, every day you are going to drink this much water or whatever it was and you failed. And then you said, oh, well, I'll start again on Monday, the just magical Monday where everything works uh, and I'll just be a piece of shit until Monday. Even if it's Monday afternoon that you messed up on, you have to wait until the next Monday to start it again. And that doesn't have to be the case. You can just say, okay, so I apparently in these situations need to give myself a little bit more space. If I'm going to be hanging out with this person, they drain a lot of energy. Maybe I go ahead and plan for the fact that I'm not doing this that day and give yourself space and just continue instead of having to start over all over again. Yeah, absolutely. Because this might be an unpopular opinion, but I have to say it. Fuck this good vibes only culture that's been cultivated. It's it's not realistic. It's not no, it's not for us to uphold that. It's actually literally not healthy for us to try to uphold that type of ex- quote unquote example in this world. Like like for example, for you, you're an emotional authority in human design, and if you try to high vibe it all the time, you're gonna fuck yourself up. You you're mm-hmm. built to ride the natural like highs and lows of life. Like you need to be able to be okay with that. You know, if if you, like you said, if you don't do the thing one day, like I I would go on these crazy ideas. I'm like, I'm going to meditate every day for 30 days and they get to day four and I forget. And I was like, well, I fucking suck. I probably shouldn't even bother doing this anymore. I don't deserve this peace of mind, but it's okay. Like we need to be, we just need to learn to be more forgiving. And I just, that's part of why I get pissed at this good vibes only bullshit because you're literally telling people that if they are anything other than the quote unquote absolute best version of themselves at all times, doing all of the things right all of the time, that they're not worth paying attention to. Yeah, honestly, fuck that in the ass because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't be the perfect version of yourself 24 seven. You can't, it's not sustainable. And if you don't learn to love yourself at your lowest lows and you don't learn to accept like your own patterns and your own limitations and actually work with who you are as a human being and not what society tells you that you need to be, Uh then you're never going to be able to actually make improvements or be comfortable in your body or do whatever it is that you need to do because it, it just, it's so important to recognize when like, you know, this is draining you and you need to give yourself more room or this is going to really pump you up so you can plan something productive after it because you can ride that high and you know who you are, (laughs) but no one's good vibes all the time. Nothing's always positive. Sometimes stuff just sucks and that's it. The end, it sucks. And you don't have to find the positive and everything. You can look for opportunities. You can reframe it and say, that was really terrible, but I was able to learn this about myself from that situation. But you're not going to sugarcoat it and say, I stepped in shit and that was wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes you just have, you have to, you have to embrace the shit. You just, you have to, it's, and it's, I feel like the gift comes after that. It's, it's the ability of, realizing that there has to be a balance in this world. Nothing's ever going to be all good or all bad all of the time. It's being comfortable living in that middle ground. And, you know, the highs and lows can be like really fun in some cases. I don't mean like in, in case of people who actually have like medical conditions where, you know, like being bipolar, manic depression, like that's not fun, obviously, but being able to realize that 
usually after the bad, there's going to be some good. And, uh, and also conversely, not thinking that every good thing that happens to you automatically has a bad counterpart. I think that's something else that happens in this culture in particular is that people are crippled by success and they're crippled by the good things in their lives. And sometimes they try to keep the good out because they automatically perceive there's going to be this automatic bad. And that's not the way karma works. It's not the way balance works. It's just knowing that I just try to tell people that nothing is permanent and that's the good and the bad. That's really true. And I think that it's really important to you You have to remember that not everything is equally balanced. So just because you have something bad happen to you doesn't mean something good is going to happen. Just because you won the lottery doesn't mean the next day your dog's going to die. Um, (laughs) It just doesn't work that way. And it's not always even. It's not always balanced. But you do attract what you put out into the world. So if you are a negative Nancy and everything sucks and everything's terrible and everyone picks a fight with you, um, I'm sorry, but you're the problem. Um, you're attracting that negativity to you because you're like at that time, that's basically your entire diet is negativity and looking at the bad. And sometimes you can be the source of that problem, but also, um, if you're high vibe all the time, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect either. It's a balance between finding the two and I'm on a random tangent and I've lost my place. <laughs> So I think I could help you get back. I'm glad that you said that. Uh, (laughs) I just words were coming out of my mouth and I lost any train of thought. (laughs) Well, you were talking about what I received to be is like, like attracting like that. If you're, all these things are bad things that you perceive are happening to you. The common denominator a lot of times is you and specifically speaking to like defined throats in the human design. The throat is the center of manifestation. And I know people who speak, shit all the time they speak bad things or they talk about how shitty everything is for them and this thing went wrong and that thing went wrong but then when they speak it that's what more is going to come back to them that's why it's so important to like speak you know speak your truth that's what's going to come back to you and and i think that sometimes people incorrectly perceive that to be their truth a lot of that ends up being conditioning or bad luck or a lot of a lot of different things but it's not their actual truth they're just too scared to see what their truth is and sometimes those people are scared to speak to the positive because they may not know how to handle a good thing coming to them and if it does they might self-sabotage it that's like a whole nother thing that happens oh yes um as someone who grew up in a very like a household with different parents, both sets were lack mindset and everything sucks and not knowing where your next thing is going to come from. Um, that trauma of anything good ever happening, because most of the time when something good happened to me growing up, it had something like there was a price. There was always a price. And a lot of us have that same conditioning and that same programming. And it's hard to work through, but it's possible. Oh, I totally agree. It's possible. It's, it's just sometimes when we try to do that work, it's like, that's where huge blockages come. Mm-hmm. Huge oh yeah. Blockages. I know for me, my lack mindset, cause I had thought I'd worked through a lot of it. Um, to be honest, I had gotten to the point where I didn't check my bank account. I just bought whatever I wanted and it didn't matter. And if I wanted a $60 eye cream, I got a $60 eye cream and I was taking care of myself and thought, that meant that I had worked through it. And then I had this realization one day I was in the shower and 
I have multiple shampoos. I have a good shampoo and I have a regular shampoo and I have a fancy shampoo for whenever my hair is doing a certain thing. And I had like categorized and I realized I was categorizing everything in my life because I couldn't use the good shampoo today. I wasn't doing anything special. Uh And why did I have good and bad versions of everything in my life? And I realized it was because the good thing would go away. That was like my programming. And that was how lack mindset was coming through for me. Wasn't with financial stuff. It was, I wasn't letting myself use the nice art supply. I wasn't letting myself use the nice conditioner. I wasn't letting myself use the fancy face cream, except for every now and again. And then most of the time, a lot of that crap would go bad before I used it all and got to experience it because I was saving it for future me. Girl, I do the same thing. Like, I can't even believe like you just articulated something that I couldn't have articulated for myself. I'm like literally thinking right now. I'm like, I have my really fancy shampoo in the shower. (laughs) And then I have like my mediocre shampoo. And I, I, yeah, I still have stickers that I don't, I won't use because what God forbid I use it for the wrong thing. Uh, I saw something about putting like turning stickers into magnets. So that way you never had to commit to them being anywhere. I like that. I do. Now I want to do that. Now I want to do with all my years of stickers that I've been hoarding for myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you term like lack mindset. I was like, okay, where did mine come from? Because I've never really thought about it in those terms. And I think about to growing up, I had two young parents. My mom, I think was 22 and she had me and my dad was 23. They were young. They honestly probably should have never gotten married. My dad was not a great man. Sorry, dad, if you end up hearing this, but you probably won't listen to it. He knows. Um, and so I was, I was raised like, and you know, I never really, they never really talked to me about money, but I was told at a young age, like, if you want to go to college, you're going to have to pay for it yourself because we won't be able to afford that. And I feel like I didn't really, I wasn't really taught how to deal with money or save money or deal with money. At 15, I got a paying job and I, Now, looking back, I blew all my money every time. And I think it's because I didn't realize that there may be a time where I would need that money because I'd always been taken care of by my parents. And then when I moved out on my own, I had a wealthy, a wealthier friend whose parents like paid for our security deposit and like first month's rent. So again, I never really thought of these things until I got into my eight year abusive relationship where I was caring for someone else's children. And I didn't buy a bra for six years because all of my money had to go to them. And so it became this obsession with, I don't deserve this because I have to take care of these kids or it's okay for me to not have enough. And I didn't even realize I I had entered any sort of lack mindset at that point. And I've only recently started to dig myself out, but it's, it's been a, it's been difficult because when I have gone through sad times, like I realize I'll just blow through money. Like it's nothing. And then those are the times, like you said, I feel like, Oh, that means I've dealt with the lack mindset, but it's not, I've just found another crutch. Yep. And a lot of times I'm really guilty of, Oh, I have a case of the sads. Let's get on Etsy and buy, I'm supporting a small creator. Like it's fine. Like my money's going somewhere good and I'll justify it to myself Or I'll buy a knickknack and um, especially because I'm a little ADHD. um, And so sometimes I'll have these hyper fixations and I'm going to do this new craft. I'm doing the new craft. It's all I want to do is this new thing. Um, (laughs) And then by the time it gets here, I've moved on to the next thing. Um, So I know I'm personally really guilty of shopping away the feelings. Oh, yes. I, 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 
I'm laughing because <laughs> when you said that, I'm realizing how many times I've bought the stuff to make macrame plant hangers and I've still never made a macrame plant hanger. <laughs> That is also on my to-do list of things that I would love to do. Um, I have a laundry list of all of the, like, I wish there was, this is a whole other thing, but it would be amazing if there was somewhere, like you had a community craft center, basically, and um, you bought, like, if instead of buying things, you could rent them. Like, I'm really into ink painting right now, or I want to do macrame, or I want to do pottery, or uh, crochet, or knit, or whatever yarn craft it is, it doesn't matter. But there's the tools there, and you can rent them, and you don't have to buy them. And people can donate to it from their shame pile. I know you have a shame pile. The the bins, the unopened things that you bought because you were definitely going to do that thing. But you could donate it, and then everybody could use it. I really love the idea. We have a place similar to that where I live, but it's larger scale things like woodworking and it's not just me getting to like crochet cute things, but I really love that idea. And I feel like, I feel like it's a good segue to talking about like community because especially during these times, I feel the idea of community has shifted and changed. And I, I think that's like another thing that we really need to focus on is like finding more like-minded people, even if just the like-minded thing is I want to learn to crochet a pair of gloves. <laughs> yeah. Having someone around you that supports you in an entirely new way is amazing. And it doesn't matter if it's spiritual or craft related, or you like the same podcast or you have similar taste in memes, having someone sure. there to support you and be there with you and having like building a community is really important. And you don't have to surround yourself with frat bros or toxic positivity or negativity or expectations. You can find your tribe. Yes. I, I feel really blessed that I feel like in the last year I have, I finally found more people. Like I found you. I'm like endlessly thankful. I found you. Um, It's just so funny. I feel like the, I mean, it's in my design. I'm a, I'm a manifesting generator. So I have this large enveloping aura that just draws in things. And I feel like I, I pulled you in for business reasons and got to keep you as a friend. And I found community in a place called, I feel like I plug them every time I do something in the public eye, but here we go. Movement by design in Santa Rosa, California. Hi, Julia and John, if you ever listen to this, um, it's a functional pattern studio and that's where I like fell back in love with movement. Uh, and that's been a huge source of community for me and a safe space. And I, I think especially right now in these times, like we need safe spaces and safe people and we don't have to go at this alone so much like I know we talked earlier about like you know being you know our our, you know being our own best friend and be able to be alone but it's also so important to find that community and I because I feel like it just awakens something in you especially again going back to human design we you know our defined centers are the places that we have continuous access to but with our open or undefined centers, the more we have community, the more we find people that help balance out those things we don't have, which makes us feel more whole. It makes them feel more whole. It makes us feel more powerful. And I feel like it's so important to learn to be in your power and be okay with that. Yes. So um, 
I actually, I have a lot of trauma around friendship because I, throughout most of my life, had one friend. I had a friend. Um, and she is my very best friend. And Kylie, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. Um, <laughs> but all of my other friends were like fleeting. And every time I would be myself or let myself be weird or because I, especially in like middle school, high school, I was weird. I, and I didn't care. I was like uninhibitedly weird. And that sometimes people didn't really care for that vibe. And then in college, I worked full time and didn't socialize. And then in work, a lot of my friendships were basically we just existed near each other on a regular basis. And the second I was finished working there, they were gone. So I never really formed a lot of friendships in my life. And I just recently, like within the last year, have been forming actual meaningful friendships and bonds and expanding my circle. And sometimes it's scary for me. And I know someone else probably has the same trauma where if I'm myself, and I let myself really attach to someone else and like connect with someone else unattached that's not the right word but if I connect with someone else they're just going to go away they're going to go away and nothing's ever going to last and I'm not good enough and all of those traumas around community but it can be different um and even if they do go away it's some reframing maybe your friendship wasn't meant to last, but you guys were mirrors for one another and served that that relationship served its purpose and its time. And it's OK that it's over. Yeah, I I feel that very deeply. I, too, of some I've always been someone that I never had a group of friends. Like I always wanted that. That was like my fantasy growing up is that I had this- me too to have like that group of friends. Yep, I wanted to be like the friends. I wanted there to be six of us and we were together all the time and like. And we had our inside jokes and we had like our, you know, whatever. We hung out the same day every week and did these things together. And it was never that for me. I always had these very segregated friendships. And those people, they always satisfied very different parts of my personality and what I needed. But it's almost like they could never overlap because I think for me, it became a defense mechanism of if they overlap, then they will all know too much about me. Oh, really? I was going to, I had guessed that if they overlapped, they would like each other more and then you wouldn't be part of it anymore. That has happened to me. But funny enough, that wasn't, that wasn't the fear for me. It was I was afraid. projecting my own fears. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was always the thing for me was, you know, because like, yeah, I'm a fucking weirdo. I don't know. Like, it's a good thing. I love it now. Like I, it's funny because like your the episode, like coming out of the woo closet, I feel like that's been me this year. Um, so embracing that part of myself, being okay with telling people that like I channel or that I like channel symbols or that I get messages or these types of things that people, there's people, lots of people in my life that I could never tell that stuff to. So I felt like in a lot of friendships, I was living a double life. And in the last couple of years, I've said, fuck it. And I've just been as authentic as I feel comfortable with. And I'm, I finally do kind of have a group of friends. Thank God my partner knew a bunch of really good people who loved me. And I still have like my close friends, but they're for the most part, pretty segregated. Now I'm okay if they mix, but it just, it hasn't happened. And I feel like as we get older too, it's scary to make friends, like making friends in your thirties. Like that seems like fucking ridiculous to me. Like, I, how, how does that happen? I used to ask myself all the time, like, how do you meet 
people. How do you make the friends? Like, I, yeah. I see so many people that, you know, they're like, oh, I, I've had this group of friends since like seventh grade, or we've all been friends since high school. And I'm like, I don't speak to anyone I went to high school with. I have one friend that I met while I was uh, at the junior college here. And that's it. So for me, I was like, well, I guess my partner's my only friend. <laughs> But I've now, because I've been more open and not created these boundaries of friendship, that I have finally started to make new friends in my 30s. And they're like really great people. And I'm really happy that I'm now relaxed enough to be like, yeah, like this is me. Like take what you like and leave the rest. (laughs) I think that's actually a benefit to making friends in your 30s or 40s or however old, old you are. Um because in my 20s, I was still figuring out who I was. So any friendship that I would have made at that time might not have really been destined to last because I was still figuring out who I was as a person. And I was attracting a lot of people that needed help um, uh-huh. because that's what I attract is projects. Um, <laughs> and uh, but now that I'm in my 30s, I know what I value in a friendship. I know what I value in a person because I know what I value in myself. And so those friendships that I make, if I connect with you right now, I like I really connect with you because I know who I am Uh so much more. (laughs) Absolutely. It's really funny that you said that you attract projects because that directly speaks to Megan here is a three five profile in human design and they attract people that will think that they will save them. It's really it just happens in their lives. Uh, Yeah. So it's kind of funny that you say that. And for me and you being a generator, you do, you attract those people, you pull them in. Cause that's what they see when they look at you. It's like, Oh, look, this girl will save me. And for me, I, I still am trying to figure out even like through my human design, I still look, I'm like, what did these people want from me? And I'm starting to realize like being a one, three, they saw me as someone who was stable and confident and that I could make them the same way. But back then, you know, when, like you said in your twenties, like I didn't, I didn't even know I could access those parts of myself. Yeah, I, 20s, I feel like it was so much just mirror neurons. And especially, like I said, being a third line body for me, it's trial and error. I always wanted to be the cool girl that like drank beer and like smoked American spirits. And I found out really quickly, like, I'm not that girl. <laughs> like, I the people that I was attracting and trying to mirror, it never felt comfortable because that's just not who I was. And I don't think I was ever really comfortable with who I was. And that's why I hid so much of it. And then also being in an abusive relationship for most of your twenties, I couldn't really tell anyone anything. So I, my whole life was like eight years of autopilot. And when I finally came out of it, I was like, Oh, like, these are the things that I like, and this is what I want to do. And like, this is the music I like and the food I eat. And, and I could find other people that like these things. It's like, my mind was fucking blown once I hit my thirties. Yeah. <laughs> it really does blow your mind whenever you learn more about yourself and you know more about yourself. And I kind of, I just want to circle back to that uh, American spirit thing. So <laughs> I have been um, a smoker on and off uh, for a lot of my life. And I was an, an American spirit person. <laughs> <laughs> I used to smoke cloves. That was like, oh, I miss cloves. They're different now. Yeah, they are different now, but that was like... It tastes like crayons now, but when I was in high school, ooh, you guys missed it. Oh, yeah. The young ones. 
It hit, Nothing you should like, smoke. Don't smoke. But you know, as the kids say, like they were just <laughs> it's so different. That was like 18 for me. It was like, I live in a town called Santa Rosa and it's like 20, 25 minutes from a town called Petaluma and Petaluma had like the cool music venue. It's called the Phoenix. It's still there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's still there, but I'll never forget. I would leave my house in Santa Rosa and I could light up a clove and I could drive all the way to the Phoenix and put it out like right as I was getting to the door. Uh, I can hear the crackles. Do you remember the crackles? <laughs> it's oddly comforting. It must be the fiberglass. And pop. I can smell it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, don't smoke, everybody. Don't but, smoke, don't smoke. Um, but this is a safe, honest space, so we're going to share this yeah. stuff with you. And um, as someone who's been smoking on and off for most of their adult life, um, I will say, because I've, if you're a smoker and you feel like you can't quit, or the idea of never smoking ever again sounds terrible to you, it's okay to like pick it up and down because those periods of not smoking are better than have, having smoked during that time. Uh-huh. because I know I have in the past, I'll go three or three months or six months without a cigarette. And then I break down. And because I have a pack of cigarettes, I feel like I have to just keep going because I pass that Monday, the infamous, infamous Monday, <laughs> infamous Monday. And then I'll just quit the next week. Um, and have some grace with yourself because you, you could just have that one pack. <laughs> yeah. Be forgiving. It's like, this is all a process. And Probably each time I, I feel really lucky that past my little point of smoking clothes, I never smoked real cigarettes. Like I said, American spirits didn't work out for me that each time you go a long period without smoking, it'll probably feel better. So a grace is a word that in the last two years pops up everywhere for me. And I just like to pass it on to others, like give yourself grace, mm-hmm. it's okay. have grace with yourself. That's one of my uh, things on this podcast that I say all the time, have grace with yourself. Yes. It pops up everywhere for me. I, I open a random book to a page. It says grace. I pull a card. It says grace. And it's just a constant reminder for me. And it really makes me feel like the universe has my back and just, I feel like it comes in the moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit and I shouldn't have done whatever that stupid thing was like, I should have grace with yourself. (laughs) Yep. So true. It's just, uh, forgiveness. That's another side note, little thing. Everybody I talked about, uh, child inner child work also forgiveness work is a really beautiful thing and it doesn't require anything other than taking the time to forgive yourself yes and you don't have to forgive everyone else if you have those traumas around them but being able to forgive yourself is a lot of times a lot harder than forgiving someone else because we can say, well, I understand their perspective or why they did whatever, especially me. I'll make excuses for people who cut me off in traffic. Well, they probably were late for work. And if they were late one more time, they were going to get fired. And I make up whole stories for why it's okay for someone else to do something to me. But then when it comes to me doing something, I it's am so much harder. Yeah, it's unforgivable. And you can um, write a letter to yourself you can like do small little things like you don't have to forgive yourself for your biggest atrocity, whatever that is. Only you know what that is. Um, but you could say it's OK that I didn't wash my face last night, even though I said I was going to have a better bedtime routine. I am learning to take care of myself all over again and I'm going to have pitfalls and forgive yourself for not doing that thing that one time. It's OK. I forgive you for it if that helps. 
I love what you said about you don't have to forgive the other people, but it's important you forgive yourself. I totally agree with that. Um, a huge part of the Tao hands practice, me being a practitioner of that as well, is is working around forgiveness. And you have, of course, you have the option to forgive others, but it's so much more about being able to forgive yourself. Like I, I'm a survivor of multiple kinds of trauma, like domestic violence, sexual, you know, abuse, all those types of things. And I found the most power in forgiving me because I didn't realize how much of that I was carrying around and how much it bled into other parts of my life. But so many things that we choose to take responsibility and fault for truly aren't ours to hold on to and carry around. Yeah. And I would imagine a lot of us have a lot of things that we have grief for or we're beating ourselves up about that really have nothing to do with us at all. Mm hmm. You're just like, you're sorry for existing and <laughs> you shouldn't have to feel bad about taking up space in anyone's life. I, for me, at least taking up space is a big thing. I don't want to take up space in someone's day or cause them any trouble because I'm taking up space in their life or their mind or whatever. And you don't have to apologize for existing and it's okay. I always wonder, do we feel like that because we're women? Because I feel like that is... Oh, I bet if you were a 40-year-old white male, <laughs> you <laughs> wouldn't feel this way. This is true. Like, I feel like that's prime example on the New York subway. It's like trying... Especially, be, I remember going to New York and that was one of my biggest fears was like, I'm a woman of size trying to get on a fucking crowded subway, but like not wanting to take up that space. Like... That's like such the plight of being a woman is like you're supposed to small yourself and serve the others. And it's like it's OK to be fucking selfish and to take up space because most of the time being selfish is actually being selfful and it will benefit you and the greater collective as well. If you just take we willing to take up that space. Yeah, I was actually about to add to that and say that most of the times the things that we feel like is selfish is basic human like needs and rights. <laughs> exactly it's like oh yeah like we said earlier like how dare you stop for five minutes and stretch you selfish yeah. bitch like how dare you <laughs> like at no point is there going to be a man that's writing an email and has to sit there for five minutes making sure they didn't use too many exclamation points and but they use the right amount to make sure that they seemed eager and happy and agreeable but not too many that they seemed like too excited <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm a chronic user of three exclamation points that yeah. sure you've seen in my emails. And I have just learned to embrace it. Yeah, but a lot of times it's because we like, especially because I've worked in a lot of corporate positions where I'm like dealing with CEOs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always want to be like, I'm eager and excited to do this really shitty thing for you. <laughs> um, and most of the time, I just want to add a regular, a regular period, like fine. Yep. But I'm so afraid of them reading it and reading it as fine. Fine, yeah. I'll do the thing. When it's really like I'm like, fine. XUK, and you're like, what did they mean by that? Yeah, because K is probably like just okay, but a lot of times anxiety will say it's K. Mm hmm. Sure. Mm hmm. Likely story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all these things we get hung up on in this society and this constant like, Overanalyzation of interaction. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I, I even now being as comfortable as I am in myself, if I meet a new person, I will analyze that shit to death. After oh, yeah. Like, oh my God, I, I, that was so stupid. They must hate me. <laughs> but, but really, why would they yeah. hate 
me. But it's just, yeah, it's. I do the exact same thing. If I have a conversation with you, especially like it's the first conversation that I have with you, I will run that shit until it is like if just to the ground. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, And I'll think about all of the things that I should have said or all of the whatever. And I almost guarantee you that they left that interaction probably doing the exact same thing, but to themselves. Oh, of course. But yeah, they probably didn't even notice any of that because they, they were like, how dare I say that? That was so dumb. I always wonder that because I'm one of those people that they people will meet me and tell me their whole life story or a deep, dark secret or just something super personal right off the bat. It's funny. It actually relates to some gates in my human design. And I always wonder if they walk away being like, why the fuck did I just tell that strange lady? all of that information. It happened to me yesterday. I feel really blessed when it happens though. This woman just like, we were checking at this event and then she told me for 10 minutes about how she took care of like her tenant's elderly brother. And she feels really lucky because the last interaction they had, he told her that he loved her and he never told her that before. And then she almost looks like she snaps out of it and she goes, well, have a good dinner. And then she just turns around and walks away. (laughs) That's so sweet. It's okay. This happens. And sometimes that I'm like, I'm like, did I say the right thing? I hope I said the right thing. Cause when people, you don't see it coming and people like drop bombs on you. I just hope that I, again, that word grace, I hope that I am like handling it gracefully and respectfully. And I always hope it's a good interaction, especially like with my line of work now, it's all human interaction, which is like my favorite thing in the world. But some days I leave a reading and I'm like, God, I hope that all made sense to them or that they you know, they took value from this or it, you know, it really helps in their lives. Like I, I never really think about, I guess what my part of it is. I really just focused on like, what did they get from this? And I hope that I did it right. (laughs) Whatever that is. And I'm sure that you do because you're amazing at what you do. Thank you. But the, the magic of the like communication is that if you do feel like you need to add on to something or something like you can feel like in retrospect that something wasn't explained clearly, you can always circle back. Totally. I also think I mean, for me, it's like, kind of like, like I said earlier, like you, like your episode coming out of the woo closet, like me trusting my intuition more in everyday life. And I have those moments where like, you know, like I'll doubt it. Like I'll doubt the session. I'll doubt what came through. And then someone might email me a couple weeks later and be like, Oh my God, that thing happened. Or I really resonate with that. And I I'm, I'm just really learning to trust those parts of myself more. And because sometimes I'll just feel something in my body and I'll be like, you have to say this. And I just blurt it out. And I'm like, oh God, should I not have said that? But it's too late now. It's already on the ether. Yeah. I almost guarantee that most of the doubting your intuition is a really strong thing. And because a lot of times you have this, I don't know about everyone, but a lot of people have this idea of what it sounds like or looks like or feels like and because you think about shows where you like suddenly get a flash and oh my head and I can see the future I mean that's not how that works so Raven right now yeah I was thinking of like some thing from the 90s but yeah um (laughs) and so you think about like how it's done in media and you have these expectations of how it should happen and um, most of the time when I have like a ping or some sort of intuition to do or say something, it's just like a sudden knowing for me, like uh, sassafras, why sassafras? Okay. And then I'll say sassafras and they'll say, oh my gosh, that was my grandma's favorite candy. 
<laughs> and it makes sense. And most of the time it does make sense. Oh, totally. Like, yeah, it's so funny. It is. It's always like they're overcome and they're dizzy and they see like this whole picture, this whole interaction. And for me, it's just a feeling or a voice. And like, I'll see one example, like I'll, I'll do it with my partner a lot. I'll notice like there's one day he was doing dishes and they didn't look particularly precarious, but in my, I just heard a voice go, they're going to fall and they're going to break. And I didn't say anything. I ignored it. One minute later, the whole thing collapsed and all the dishes broke. And I was like, why didn't I just say it? So now like when it just pops up, I just say things or, you know, I did a session with someone where their house was talking to me and that was, they were having a blockage with moving out of their, their current home into a new one. I just heard this voice go, they need to be, they need to show gratitude for the house that they live in now because it feels like it's feelings are hurt basically. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it did a good job for you. And I just got, I just heard three. And so I was like, well, I was like, I think you need to do at least like three days of, you know, doing gratitude practice. And then she texted me a few days later and she got the house, she got the apartment that she'd wanted. So these things that I, I just perceive as like, where is this coming from? I just need to trust it. I need to know, you know, sometimes I can't tell the difference between my own voice and the voice that comes through. But the more I trust it, the more I feel like I'm, I'm okay with what's coming through. I just, the word psychic is such a slippery slope, I feel like in this society, uh, I'm just going to stick with intuitive. Me too. That's the word that I use because I, you know, sometimes people ask me to explain how I do it, especially after I've done like a Dow hands blessing and I have a message come through and I just kind of explain because they're like, Oh, do you like see the future? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> like, occasionally, but it, it's like those things where like all the, all the dishes are going to break in two minutes. I don't see like, you know, a week into the future, or who you're going to marry. It's just these moments of, overwhelming like it's almost for me it's almost like a vibration in my like sternum almost just below my sternum and then I just like I have to say the thing or or get it out or I you know when I channel it's like I will just sit down and I'll start writing like I like it's me and then I'll realize I'll go back and read it and it's three pages of me speaking as someone else mm -hmm. yeah and I'll like I'll, I've also noticed when I go back to those like channeled writings the handwriting changes uh -huh. between the the people um but I do want to point out um one thing specific to the dishes because it kind of feels like I want to differentiate between an intrusive thought or anxiety and intuition um, because there's one thing like you're driving down the road and you're like, I'm going to wreck and die. And you're like, that's just like a thought or I could run off this bridge. Uh -huh. Um, sorry, trigger warning to anybody who has that. I personally have a lot of intrusive thoughts that aren't really anxiety or intuition. I'm not predicting that I'm going to do that. Um, but when you really get to know your body and it kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier, when you really get to know your body and trust your intuition and you do the like exercises where you ask yourself yes, no questions and see how it feels in your body. Uh -huh. um, and I know that's directly related to my human design profile. <laughs> um, but when you know your body, you can tell the difference between I'm having an intrusive thought or anxiety and this is my intuition. And the more that you like trust your intuition and you learn what it feels like and you listen to it, the stronger it gets too. And the more obvious it is. Lissa is actually someone that really helped me with that because I feel like this whole crazy journey I've been on in the last like year, year and a half or so started with a session with her. And 
I, I talked a lot about intrusive thoughts that I, at that time, I really thought these intrusive thoughts were then going to manifest something. And once I learned to tell the difference between the intuition and the intrusive thought, I was like, it's a big game changer. And it, it did it take it, it took learning how it feels in my body. And when I get anxiety and intrusive thoughts, they, they feel entirely different when like when you get to know your body. Exactly. And then intuition is just like, I don't know. It's like this abrupt, it's like, an, it's abrupt. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like very simplified Whereas my intrusive thoughts are like a whole fucking plot of like a six season series play out in my head. Yeah. Where my intuition <laughs> is like fast and it's direct. <laughs> and I feel like a, a quick differentiator when you're like learning how to do this and you're learning about yourself, anxiety, a lot of times has a yes and. Mm-hmm. I am going to drop this thing and it's going to roll down there and it, someone's going to trip on it and it's going to be a whole thing and then they're going to be mad and they're going to sue me and I don't know it just goes off the rails um and then most of the time intuition is like that's gonna fall the end exactly I really love that anxiety is like uh an improv <laughs> yes and <laughs> that's that's what a lot of it is you're basically just gaslighting yourself and yes anding the situation until it gets so out of hand that you can't breathe yeah i've never thought about it like that and i i really love that it's it's so true like it's it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and then the thing may not happen but i've worked myself into a tizzy and then our bodies believe it's happening even though it's yeah, you just immediately happening. go into like flight fight or fight or freeze. I'm a or freeze like a fawn, or like a fawn reaction or whatever. But yeah, I think I freeze most of the time too. Same. I'm definitely not a fighter. I'm definitely not a runner. I just kind of like I'm. Uh... Yeah, like maybe if I just sit here long enough, it'll just go away. Like I, yeah. I don't know what to do. I feel that. Yeah, intuition is. I. I was so in denial of it for so long. Like the way I describe myself when people are like, what do you mean you're an intuitive? And I, for me, I feel like I was born close to the veil, whatever that means to people. It just means that to me, I was born a little closer to the spirit world. And then of course, I'm like the weird kid that grew up next to a fucking graveyard um, with just added to things. Cause I would walk through this graveyard and I would like hear things or I would see people that weren't there. And I always thought I had an overactive imagination until I got older and those things didn't go away and they had actual things to tell me. And do you have any funny mediumship stories? Ooh, like probably a few. (laughs) You just said that and then it popped in my head to ask you if there was anything that stood out to you that you wanted to share. There's, it's kind of funny because I think it's the first time that I felt comfortable with it. Um, There was a period of time I grew up, like I said, I lived in this apartment building next to um, uh, Graveyard until I was about 12. And there was this young girl who was wearing, and I looked it up as I got older and she was wearing clothes, probably I'd say from like 1890 ish, like 1890 to like 1900. And she would just come sit by my bed and she wasn't like scary or mean or anything. And we would just sit there and smile at each other. And then she'd go away. Like, I don't, I (laughs) didn't know what it was, but she was always, it's almost like she was just like, I just wanted Maybe to like she say just needed hi. a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I just wanted to say hi. It's uh, really um, hard to make friends whenever you're a spirit that's trapped. Right. <laughs> and then I was, then I'd wonder, I'd like walk through the graveyard and be like, I wonder like, 
where she is. So I was hoping I could like find somehow find yeah. her. I was never able to. Um, but stuff like that's just happened my whole life or my earliest memory of being away from my home and seeing something. I was on a uh, field trip and I think I was probably like eight or nine and we were like going, I don't know where we were going, probably like the Audubon Society, which is like a like nature preserve. And the bus was slowing down and because we were getting up to like the entrance and I saw this like hippie couple cross the street and they like, whenever this happens, they always gesture at me to a certain degree. Like they acknowledge me and we, and we were all looking the same direction because everyone's so excited. And I was like, did you guys see that couple with the cool clothes? And they're like, what couple? And we that that couple, they just crossed the street and like kind of went on the side of the bus and they're like, there's no one there. And I was like, that's weird. And <laughs> like that's just happened my whole life. My grandparents lived in a very, very haunted house. And so from a young age, I saw there was this, um, this like black, like shadowy figure that would run back and forth between the rooms and now they do, I do have kind of a funny one. They fuck with me a little bit in the house I live in. My house was built in 1936. And I was, when I was single, I lived here alone. It's like a three bedroom house. It's like a decent sized house for one person to live in alone. And I was bringing all my groceries into the kitchen and there's a door into the hallway where it goes to the bathroom and the other two bedrooms. And I usually have it closed and I went and I dropped my my stuff on there. I go to drop my stuff on the ground. And I look up and there's a woman in like a dress again, probably like the early 1900s, like very dressed up. And she, she turns around and gasps. Like I scared her and she goes, Oh, and I drop everything stuff breaks. And I just said very loudly, I was like, you're very pretty, but you can't come visit me anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cause I just panicked. I didn't know what to do. And I was alone all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a there's a man who lives in the back bedroom, which is actually why I haven't gone there in a long time. I I had a, a semester where I had a really rough semester. And this is not that long ago because I went back to school at 31. By the way, kids, never too late to go back to college. Never, uh, never is. Went back to school at 31. I I just like meditated practically every day for the two weeks of break. And there was some man who looked like he was from the fucking movie Newsies who went right up in my face and I got locked in a meditation. I couldn't leave. And he was Ooh. just with me. And so that room has become the storage room. And now I'm cleaning it out so I can do some energetic cleansing on it. But yeah, I've I feel like I have so many stories of my 36 years of being able to see things that other people can't see. <laughs> But I think that probably led you to work with your intuition a bit more at a younger age, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which is part of why I felt so segregated from kids, because the things that I thought about or were concerned about were not the same things that they thought about. or were. Concerned oh, yeah. About. <laughs> I like, you know, I, I spent my childhood wandering around a cemetery. There's... Um, there was a, like a baby. I think he was maybe like nine, 10 months old. His name was Dudley. And me and my grandma found his gravestone. And this was in, it's a beautiful cemetery, but back then there had been a lot of vandalization and uh, I would always go visit, visit it. And she passed away like 15 years ago. And last year I was like, I wonder if I could find it. Cause it's been moved. And I, I, I knew what part of the cemetery it was in, but they're not numbered correctly. And I just closed my eyes and I was like, Patty, take me there. That was my grandma. And I ended up, I walked by this one and I, I kept walking by it. And I finally, I sat down and it was the right one. 
and it just it, it she led me there like and now i i've learned to trust that ability in myself a little more because it's i think sometimes people think it's like a parlor trick and it's not no it's really not everyone that i know um that interacts with the spirit world in any way um or has any sort of like capacity for mediumship it's always like come on just leave me alone go away um, yeah. I see you. I acknowledge you. I'm not passing that message along. Um, <laughs> totally. And yeah. you're not trying to like release them on. I mean, maybe someone is. That might be your vibe. But most people just experience it and say, that's that's cool. Yeah. I'm like, that's the thing that happened. It does happen. You know, and it's like for me, like when I get messages, I don't know where they where they even come from. Like I get a lot of I do a lot of my channeling involves soul language, which I learned to do by being a Dow hands practitioner. And I'll be, I could be sitting there for like 15 minutes and nothing's coming through. And I start chanting soul language and it all just floods. Like that's what happened to me today. Cause I pulled some cards for the collective before the session. And then I did like a channeling. And at first I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear anything. I just want to see if it came through. And then I was like, okay, soul language. And the second I started, it's just like, the universe is just like okay i'm gonna lay it on you now is soul language kind of like light language light language yeah i feel yeah i feel like they're similar i mean because i feel like i I feel like maybe just in dow hands they refer to it as soul language and the way i learned to do it is there's a specific chant hey hung hung ashi wang yo it starts with that and you say it faster and faster and faster and i kind of equate it to like when you're learning to ride a bike (laughs) and you i just have this like image of like learning to ride it with the little training wheels on and then you getting the hang of it and the, the training wheels just like flying off that's what it feels like with that it's like someone holding my hand and then the second i kind of like feel that freedom of flying it just it just comes out okay so i'm kind of like relating it to um journeying like with a drum mm, you know yeah. where it's like a thing that's anchoring you it's a um, and allowing you to open that channel. Yeah, I would definitely say it's it it helps with channel opening. It's and it's hard to do. I guess it's hard to do at first. I guess I was abnormal. Like my mentor was like, "You're abnormally comfortable with this." Like well, it, well, with what you just said, I just thought it's like the Peter Piper, Peter Peter yeah. Peter Piper. See, I'm doing great already. Peter <laughs> Peter Piper picked a pickle peck a pick whatever. I give up. <laughs> And I'm having grace with myself that sometimes I stink with alliterations. <laughs> it's okay. We love you anyway. But yeah, because like with Dow hands, basically it, it increases your healing power by 25 times, but it can be used for a lot of other things. So I'll use it without using Dow hands like this is when I'm channeling. And then I just feel like, I don't know what, I guess maybe it, it helps. Yeah. Open. It, it's like, I, I step away from logic when that happens because my body takes over because I can feel it in my body when it happens. Okay, so you're stepping away from whatever programming that you have or any of your own personal perceptions or filters yeah. and you're allow, like able, allowing yourself to see like the core truth. Yes, absolutely. And then it depends. Like sometimes it comes through like super fragmented. Sometimes it almost feels like an entire like monologue is being told to me. Today it was fragmented, which it helps me when I'm doing it later. Otherwise, if it's like a really if it's like a really long monologue, I have to like go back into some sort of state of channeling just so I can write it down again. 
but you are able to like return to it and access it again. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Yeah, like because today I, I like I told I think we were talking about this before we started recording that I I went and visited my inner wise woman and she was kind of like I she's like I don't do that stuff she was, she was I was like oh should I go and she's like no I can help you like I'll I'll just give you some power to like make it a little easier to like comprehend so it's just funny because it's these totally different parts of myself sometimes like inner wise woman's like yeah that's like soul language isn't my jam but I'm here to support you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she was here to support you, but she was very clear about her own boundaries. Oh, yeah, it's it was really funny because you're just like, oh, no, that's like that's not for me. But I'm I got you, girl. And then she just held my hands and and then it all kind of came flowing <laughs> in. It's just such a crazy it's a crazy gift. Like there, a girl asked me recently who just messaged me about services and was just like, is that weird to do? And I'm like. To be honest, I, I've done it my whole life at some capacity and didn't know what I was doing. And now that I have an understanding of it, it's like it's less scary. And now I understand it more. I'm getting more messages that are for the collective as opposed to just messages for myself. The more I've become open to it. Yeah, the more that I have been practicing things or doing things, um, the more collective stuff that comes through and the louder it gets sometimes because it'll be like, say this thing. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Tell them this, tell them this, tell them this now. And then I'm like, okay, whatever. And I move on. And the very next day, did you tell them? <laughs> did you tell them your story? Yeah. I, it's funny, actually your, your podcast has been part of what has really, I guess, inspired me to feel strong enough that I am able to channel for the collective. Cause I feel like that was a huge blockage I had for a long time. I was like, Oh, I'm only hearing stuff for me. I'm only hearing stuff for me or, Oh, I'm only hearing stuff for one person. I mean, honestly, when we even get those individual messages, a lot of times there's something for the collective within that. But I listening to you and Lisa, I felt a lot stronger with what I'm getting for the collective now, which is like really exciting for me. It feels like very much feels like leveling up to a degree. And I, I'm like really thankful for that. Oh, yeah. And I think that for a lot of us, we might be getting these messages, but we don't have that validation and you shouldn't require external validation and all of those ex assorted disclaimers. But when you get it, it's really cool <laughs> as you're learning. Yeah. And um, like Lissa and I will have it all the time where I'll be pulling cards and I'm like, I'm kind of getting this. And then she's like, I got the exact same thing. And it's really cool. Right. And then it feels like, oh, man, this really is happening. Like it, it's it, it is nice. Yeah. Having, like you said, we don't need the validation, but it's nice, especially when it comes to things like this or like when I was doing cards today, I just was moved to flip them from the top of the deck, which I usually don't do. I usually like lay them out and choose them separately using like a different process. And all I heard as I'm flipping them was like, where are we? Where are we going? What do we need? And I was like, oh, OK. And then like I read the cards was like, yep. <laughs> that makes sense. And then I pulled like another card from another deck. And I, and I was like, what is the collective not hearing is like, what is like what the message was in my head. And then I pulled that card is like, yep, like it just it, it, it feels good. It's like really comforting now instead of being like, Oh, is this the right thing? I'm not I'm not so much worried about that. Because I know in myself, where this is coming from now. And I trust that I trust the source now. Yeah. And it, it's all about playful curiosity and practice. And don't like box yourself into you have to do something a certain way. It 
fine and dandy when you're learning if you want to follow someone else's steps or you want to do this cool thing that you saw on Instagram or TikTok and do but they do it this way so I have to do it this way and like that's fine when you're learning but as you start to do things kind of find what works for you um and then don't be afraid to like if you see someone do something really cool like I recently have been seeing a lot of people like um like whatever's on the bottom of the deck is like the general energy and there are things that you can kind of like test out and sometimes it's going to feel right and sometimes it's going to feel wrong or this might be your favorite deck but all of a sudden you're called to use this deck that you absolutely don't connect with and you suddenly do connect with it and just have like flow and flexibility with yourself flow that is so important yeah. i'm like how did we not talk about that yet but yeah i the concept of like being in flow and staying in flow, which, you know, people, again, I feel like it's that good vibes only thing that being in flow doesn't mean that you don't come up with blockages. It just means that you feel safe enough and comfortable enough to address them as they come up to help keep you more inside of flow. And I feel like that's really helped me in my practices because nothing I, I've learned to do. I, I like, I don't do it quote unquote the way it's supposed to be done. Like I love tarot, but I, I don't know how to do tarot properly. I never have, but I just use, like, I've heard Lissa do that. Like do, do it intuitively yeah. based on what you see and what you feel and, and trusting yourself. Like I, I, I won't lie to the, the listeners that I was really nervous before this. Cause I'm not only a fan of podcasts in general, but I'm a fan of this particular podcast. So all of a sudden I was like, what if I forget everything I know how to do when I start talking? <laughs> that imposter syndrome is so real because oh, yeah. There are so many times where I'll go to do something um, like I'll use the Patreon as an example. So we have a Patreon um, and we do like weekly energy updates and stuff. And Lisa and I do them separate. We've done like one together and we're going to do more together now that her schedule is changing. But um, we typically do them separate. And that's really her vibe. And she's so good at like being on camera and um being full of life and having that message and she's so firm and strong in it and confident and I love that and whenever I go to do it almost every single time I'm like well here's my face I'm really uncomfortable uh, do I even know how to do this what am I doing and then 10 minutes into it I'm like oh yeah I've got this I'm like I do know how to do this um but almost every time I have that imposter syndrome where I can't compare myself to how amazing Lissa is at whatever. And we actually had a conversation the other day where I was like, I wish I was half as cool as you. And she was like, are you serious? You're the coolest. I wish I was as cool as you were. I second that you're extremely cool. And I am so thankful that you're my friend. Like I am so stoked to know you. You were very cool. You are also very, very cool. And I'm very happy to have you in my life and get to know you. And I'm so glad you got to be our guest while Lissa was off having a wonderful time. Um, it's been so much fun. And I know you were nervous beforehand, but you've done a really great job. And I think our listeners would agree. Um, agree now, please, listeners. Yay. Yay. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Oh my God. Could I now? Cause now I'm feeling moved. Like how you said, they're like, did you tell them? Did you tell them the thing? I'm getting that. So is it cool if I share what I pulled for the collective before this? Of course. Okay. So the deck that I'm using, it's one of my favorites. It, it was thrifted. It's a Doreen virtue deck, which um, I don't know if 
I'm sure some of the listeners, if not all, are familiar with Doreen Virtue, but she now denounces all of her angel work. But I love her decks because I was just about to say, isn't there some like bad, bad juju around? (laughs) The way I feel about it is that because she was in flow and in that space of time, that it holds that power. And I think that's part of what stresses her out now is that you can't take that power away. Um, no, yeah. you can't take the power away. And I think that there's a muse that really attaches to whatever you're creating in the moment. And it is yours. You own it. You made it. It's your unique perspective. But it is also kind of a piece of the collective. Mm-hmm. So sorry, Doreen. Love this deck. And uh, I'm thankful for it. And you go yeah. do you now. You can um, separate a creator from their art. Yeah, it's so true. I Yeah. So this is what I pulled. So like I said a few minutes ago that what I what I heard as I was flipping cards was where are we now? Where are we going? And what do we need? So where are we now? I pulled be honest with yourself. And I think that right now we're in a time where there's a lot of swirling opinions. And we really need how I perceive this for the collective is we need to go in and look at be really be honest with ourselves, not what we perceive our honesty should be, or really putting putting what we perceive to be our honesty and truth on other people we really need to go in and look at what our truth really is and be honest with ourselves and our heart and look at the truth of our situations and yeah it was like it really this one really hit me hard just because i feel like we're in a time of so much fear and there's just, there's a lot of movement, energy movement going on in the collective. And sometimes we need to learn to take a little bit of create space for ourselves and that energy. So we can really be honest with ourselves about how we are actually feeling as opposed to what is energetically affecting us from external forces, because they can, there is like a delineation. And I think it's important for us to look at, what our truth really is at this point. And that's what I heard. <laughs> um, and then for where we're going is energy work. And I fully, really, really believe this right now. And I feel really happy that this is the card that came up because like I said, there's energy shifts and you know we were talking about being okay with like riding those waves of what's going on right now and the highs and lows. But this is really a time to go inward this is what i was hearing this is also kind of interjecting what i channeled afterwards and i heard silence and silence energy work going inside looking within cleansing is another word i heard quite a few times just over and over cleansing 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 of self i think that's what we're moving into is you know we reach this point where we can be honest about where we're at and what we need and then be able to acknowledge that and move into a place where we can work on our energy, clear the negativity and be in a more settled and stable place within ourselves. This is all, I'm seeing this all very much as singular things like outside of the community. I'm just hearing like these moments of solitude was another word that I wrote down. And doesn't necessarily mean like lock yourself in your room and be alone, but creating space for yourself and your energy and what you, what you really need right now. And what I asked what we need it's notice the signs and specifically i love the first line of this card says yes the signs you've been receiving are heaven sent and heaven can heaven can be used in a lot of different ways for me i just see it as these are signs that are coming from 
what I heard was our higher consciousness. So a lot of these signs are being sent from a higher version of ourselves. And that's what really needs to be focused on is what it, the I, I am, what I need. And I pulled a card from another deck, which is the Isis Oracle by Alana Fairchild. I love this deck. Um, and the card that came up was Rising Sun. And before I even read the description, it's I just heard it's always darkest before the dawn that we have been in a place of extreme darkness uh, with a lot of different things. What's going on with the pandemic, uh, just energetic changes and shifts in the world, and that this dark phase is ending and that we're moving into a period of light and transformation and that it's not going to be like this forever. It's like we talked about earlier that nothing's permanent and we're finally reaching a point of elevation. That's another word. I just, I'll sometimes I hear the same word over and over again. And I just heard elevation, elevation, elevation. And after I pulled these cards, I channeled and what came up for me was that we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And this is not a time for fighting. It's not a time to fight where we are in life. It's not a time to fight each other. Uh, that this is really a time for turning within and finding balance. And I heard specifically that December and January, um, I heard, <laughs> I love the way you describe what you see too, because I heard December, January blanket burrito is what I heard. And oh, blanket burrito. Blanket burrito. And the, so what I perceive that as is December and January are really a time for Rest and introspection. Yes, rest, introspection, going within. I can't stress enough how important rest is. Um, and then also giving yourself space to have enough energy or not enough energy. And during those during those couple months, we will kind of, it's, you know, it's so, I guess it's so cliche in some ways, but become the butterfly. Like we need this time to really, hibernate and kind of surround ourselves with comfort. That was another word I kept hearing comfort and connection. And I specifically heard connection in and up, which I perceive to be really taking the time to connect with yourself, whatever that might be for you, maybe your inner child, your inner wise woman, you're just generally connecting back to your sense of self, and then connecting up, which I perceive to be connecting up to our higher selves, higher power source, and yeah, that's what I got for the collective was really, it's not a time to fight, which I, and I want to say this specifically, just because you're not fighting doesn't mean you're also surrendering. It just means don't fight what's going on, stay in flow, protect yourself energetically, get in a blanket burrito and know that we're coming out of a really dark period and basically like everything's going to be okay. That is really beautiful. And I want to add that um, you can choose your battles and you can really evaluate like what is worth the energetic exchange. Yes. So just because you're backing away from something like a confrontation or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're surrendering to it. What it really means is that you're choosing to just let it pass. So you have that energy and that that space that you that would have taken up for the next thing. Yes. And I would love to say too, that for those of you that are familiar with human design and know your human design, that this is, it's always a time to focus on your strategy and authority, but especially now 
following your strategy and authority will help you pick those battles and understand what you do have energy for and what you don't have energy for. And it's okay if you don't have energy for anything right now. And I just need everyone to know that that's okay. And to honor your rest cycles because they're very real and very necessary. I am really love that you shared that with us. Thank you so much. I know that was a vulnerable space for you. And I also want to add, um, the cards that I pulled for this are so similar. (laughs) Um, So I I essentially got, and I'll go like through a a quick review of it because I want you to have like your highlight because that was beautiful and special, but just to kind of provide that external validation, like we talked about, I got that people were being a little bit too protective with themselves and kind of like not going internally because they were holding themselves back from that growth And that by embracing the small miracles of the day and the small miracle of like themselves and the little moments of magic, that they were going to be moving forward and having this big expansion of self. It felt like an expansion of like who they are at their core being and really fostering this community. And it was this big energetic exchange and that they were going to be coming closer to graduation as in like the next big thing, like they could move on to that next phase of their life because they were accepting who they were and they weren't holding themselves back anymore. And then the message that came through for me is um, ground yourself and shield yourself while you're going through this transition because you're learning how to manipulate energy and you're learning new things about yourself and new ways to react to everything. And just by taking 30 seconds even to like just do a quick grounding and a quick clearing and releasing energy back to who it belongs to and recalling your own energy it makes a huge difference while you're learning and always but especially while you're going through these delicate transitions absolutely oh I love that I love that they're so connected but it was so wonderful for you to come on today I really want you to tell us all about where they can find you and what kind of work that you do and what you're called to do with them if they are called to work with you which if you are after listening to this which I really think you will be because she is amazing I 1000% recommend doing a reading or a session with her Thank you so much, Megan. Uh, You all can find me. My website's being built. So if you go look at it now, it's all in fake Latin. So just don't go there. Um, Borum ipsum. Yeah, I I had to call my partner and be like, because he used to build websites. I'm like, is this normal he's like yeah it's totally yes, yes. I was like it looks like a spell which is why i love it it, it does like essentially um but you can find me on instagram at moonlit soul services uh you can also reach out by email if you'd like it's moonlit soul services at gmail.com i do foundational human design readings um I use my intuition in that as well. Uh, So I tend to touch on topics that I didn't even mean to that are very, (laughs) really resonate with people. It just comes out Uh, for that. It really just entails a 60 to 90 minute reading. It comes with a follow up. Uh, If you'd like homework, which all my clients so far love homework, I usually channel a mantra for you and give you some things to focus on. Uh, I also do Dow Hands practitioner work. Uh, which we do, which is really, it could be anything. It could be physical illness. It could be uh, mental health, uh, healthcare, anything. Um, It's really beautiful. It's like an energetic practice. 
And yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I can't thank the listeners enough. I can't thank Megan and Lissa enough for making this amazing podcast. And Lissa has some beautiful, magical shoes to fill. So I feel honored to have been invited to be here this week. You did a really wonderful job as our first guest. And I want to kind of reassure you because I felt that hesitance um, that it's okay to grow and expand your offering. And it's okay to say you're working with me and what comes up and what feels in alignment is what we're doing. You don't have to like label everything. And I know that whatever work that you do will be beautiful and perfect and uniquely tailored to the unique person that you're working with. Yes, I'm that that comes back to me trusting the intuition because sometimes I don't know what's going to happen in a session and then it just happens. So if you anyone's curious, they have questions, please feel free to reach out to me. I love to connect with people, answer any questions you might have. But yeah, I'm just so I feel like epically blessed to be here. I can't thank you enough. We are all epically blessed to have gotten to spend this uh, last almost two hours with you. It's been really wonderful and it's gone by so quickly and future editing me is going to love listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you happen to feel called to work with me, whether it be design or doing a reading or energy work, or if you just want to chat, I'm at megaruski.com. I'm pretty open and fluid to what I offer because I feel like well, as we said before, I can do a little bit of everything and I just want to help you get to that next phase in your life and remove those artificial barriers. That feels really important to me right now is that we're removing those those fake things that prevent us from moving forward. Um, and we didn't do homework. We normally do. Um, we give them tools for the toolbox at the end of the episode. And I know that we sprinkled a lot throughout the episode. But is there anything that you want to challenge our listeners to maybe try to do um, a specific kind of grounding exercise or like we said earlier, wear that outfit that you've been saving for future you or use that conditioner that you've been saving for future you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I'll say it very I'll say as most concise as I can. Wear the fucking crop top. Walk around outside with no shoes on. <laughs> Play. Those are my three things I really have to say. Wear yeah. the thing, let yourself play, walk around with no shoes on. I guarantee all three of them will change your life. They really will. And you're going to feel so much more comfortable and confident and happy to be you as you practice. It's practice. It's not going to immediately feel good. I promise, though, it gets better. Well, minus the grounding that usually feels instantly good. Yeah, the other two are a little trickier, especially wearing the crop top. <laughs> yeah, and the more comfortable, because I, I saw a thing on TikTok, actually, where uh, <laughs> someone was talking about how they were so comfortable and confident in their bathing suit, and it was because I just wear it around my house. So then whenever I'm out in public, like, it doesn't matter. I'm used to wearing it. And that's kind of the same way with everything else. You're just practicing being yourself authentically. I love that. Yes, I agree. Wear the thing. Wear the ball gown around your home. Wear the bathing yeah. suit. For me, it was Wear the, the thing. <laughs> Wear the thing. Do the thing. Use the thing. And uh, go outside and touch the thing. Yes. Touch <laughs> the thing. <laughs> Take that however you want. Oh, so thank you guys so much. I hope that you're all having a wonderful day. And we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.
as promised, here is the Abomination permanent song that I spent two hours making um, in order to wrap up this episode. And (laughs) I'm sorry, but also I'm not sorry. So I love you all very much. And I hope that you're having a wonderful day.